The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus says, It is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. In other words, the reason that we say the things we do or the reason that we do the things we do is is not just because of the thing, but it's because of something else. It's because of something going in on inside of us. It's because of the brokenness of our own hearts that we sin in the ways we do. The broken thoughts, the habits, the patterns of anger and deception, the lying, the broken relationships are really symptoms of a deeper issue. They're an issue, certainly, but they actually point to a deeper reality when we look inside of us. Symptoms of a heart issue that, if undiagnosed, will slowly destroy you and every relationship you have. This is why God tells us in Proverbs chapter 4, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Every relationship, every conversation, every responsibility, every calling, every action flows from our hearts. Throughout the season of Lent, we are pressing in to some of these heart issues to look at the symptoms, the, the behaviors that we can see that, that point to an underlying issue. Specific patterns and struggles that we have that, are, that is connected to a brokenness inside each of us. And what we are doing, and the reason we're doing that, is because it's only when we realize the problem, it's only when we get the proper diagnosis, that we can then look for the remedy that God gives to us. It's only when we realize that our hearts are broken that we can then know to look to Jesus whose body is broken and blood is shed, whose own heart is broken to heal our broken hearts. And so throughout the season of Lent, we are looking and unpacking these various symptoms that we will find in our lives in order to get to the heart of the issue. Are there any This Is Us fans in here? Anybody? Anybody? All right, some, some of you might still be like, try it, like you don't want to admit it because you might start crying right now. Um, but there, this is us. There's this episode. This is not like a spoiler, so we're not going to like unpack any of the crockpot issues or anything. But there's this episode of This Is Us where Randall ingests some mushrooms. Some of you might remember this. He ingests some mushrooms and start, starts hallucinating. And so in his hallucinations, he has this argument with his father, Jack. And so at the heart of this argument between, between Jack and Randall um, are, are some insecurities that Randall deals with. Now, if you watch the show, Randall has all kinds of insecurities, right? He, he has all kinds of self-doubts and, and image issues. Um, but, but Randall, in this episode, he's specifically trying to deal with some of the pain of not knowing his biological father, not knowing some of the racial history from his past. And so he, accusing Jack shouts at him, I was a replacement for you. That's all I've ever been. No, in this moment, Randall's having an identity crisis, and so he's casting blame on Jack because he doesn't know who he is. Because in his mind, when he looks at his life, his family, his history, he's only been a replacement. And see, I don't know about you, but when I look at my life, I can find that same kind of phrase creeping into my life. That's all I've ever been. 
I can point to specific struggles or habits or relationships, and I can look at those things and say, well, that's, that's all I am. That's who I am. See, see, I think the struggle for Randall is not an uncommon one, which is, which is exactly why they make this a part of the story. Because all of us could point to moments, seasons, patterns in our life, that we can look at those things as markers. And we say, that's all I've ever been. As a parent, maybe you're overwhelmed and exhausted, and so you look at what you're trying to accomplish, and you look at that, and you say, all right, well, that's, this is all I am. Or, or, or you look at the, the things you have or the things you don't have, and so you look at your life and say, all right, these, this, is what I, uh, this is what makes me who I am. This is all I've been. You look at specific sins. The areas of your life, the the patterns you keep going back to over and over and over again, and you try to keep it hidden. But when you look at your life, you say, this is all that I've ever been. And we'll even do this with good things, right? We'll take the positive things, a promotion, wealth. We'll even take those things and we'll say, all right, well, these things, right, this this is what I am. Right, the good and the bad, we will take these things and they become markers for our identity, Successes and failures, roles and relationships, things we're proud of, things we're ashamed of, they become the marker for our identity. That question that Randall wrestles with is the question that we all wrestle with. It's the question, who am I? And at the heart of that question is, is how do we see ourselves? What are the things that shape the way we understand who we are? And parallel to that, how do other people see us? Because for many of us, the way we answer that question, who are you, is determined by what other people think of you. And so what we will do in order to secure our answer, in order to feel good because we don't really know who we are, we will lie, we will twist, we will fight in order to protect a version of ourselves that people see. Because if they see something different about us than what we see, though, then maybe we'll feel a little bit better about ourselves. See, anytime I've created a social media profile, I've always had this immediate inner turmoil that like happens Because if you've ever created a social media profile, they ask some questions about who you are right off the gate. And so you're you're forced to, like, come up with a description. And it's usually pretty short. Like, you have a limited number of characters to tell the world who you are. And so immediately I start, like, like, I start stressing out about it. Like, all right, how do I want the world to know who I am? And so, all right, well, I got I to have my name, of course, but then do I have my job? What do I say about my job? Like, I don't want to be that weird Christian, so I don't want to say too much, but I, I do want to make sure people know that, I, like, I love Jesus. And so do I say my job? Do I say where I work? And what do I say about my family? And then there's the picture. Like, the picture's even worse, Right, because how do you want people to see you when they see your image coming across the screen? And so, like, as a dad, like, I wonder, like, do I, do I put a picture with me and my kids? But I don't want to be that dad who only posts pictures of his kids. So, like, so maybe I shouldn't post a picture of my kid. And so there's this, like, turmoil. What do I want the world to see when they see me? Now, I, re- now I realize it's a bit ridiculous, but I don't think that insecurity is, is just a social media thing. In the midst of all of us, there's this question, who am I? And connected to that question, how do others see me? And in the midst of that, there's that underlying insecurity. That what if they see the real me? Like what if they find out who I really am? What if they, don't, what if they find out the things that I don't post? What if, what if they know the things that I don't want people to know about? See, today I want to talk a bit about lying. See, lying is always a heart issue. 
But there's a specific kind of lie that I think goes deeper than that. And that's lying about who you are. See, lying about who you are is a heart issue, but even deeper than that, it's an identity issue. It connects the heart to the head, the heart issue, and also the way that you see yourself. And so there are, this happens in a number of different ways. And, may, and maybe you're even unsure, like, do I do this? Do I not do this? I, 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 my guess is that all of us deal with some of these insecurities, that I'm not the only one. But, but this, this lie can come out in a number of different ways. There is the deception that's a fake-it-till-you-make-it kind of deception. Right? It's the, if I act successful, if I act like I have it all together, if I act like I do, do the right thing, then eventually you'll believe I always do the right thing, and eventually I will become what I'm projecting to you. Right? If I act successful long enough, you'll start to think I'm successful, and maybe I'll even become successful. If I act like a good person, you might start to think I'm a good person, and maybe eventually I will even become a good person. And so the goal is, right, I want you to see me a certain way, and then maybe I'll even become the way that I pretend to be. Or there's this, this lie that's the, the, the line that gets us what we want. Right? And so we lie to get ahead. We lie to get the promotion. We lie to build the relationship, to find success, to make extra money. Now again, this lie is, is a heart issue because what do we believe when we lie for those reasons? We lie because who we are isn't good enough to get those things. Because who we are isn't good enough for the relationship. Who we are isn't good enough for the promotion. Who we are isn't good enough for the success. And so in order to get those things, we need to pretend to be somebody other than who God made us to be. And so we lie. And then for some of us, there's the the desperation kind of a lie. It's the lie that's the, I hope they never find out who I really am. It's the lie that isolates Right, it's a lie that maybe is around people, but you still feel alone. Because if people really knew who you really were, or you're afraid that there will be no one left around you. And so out of desperation, we fight to cover up the things that we want no one to ever know. This is why we act differently around different people, right? This is why you act a certain way when you're here and you act a different way when you're at work and a different way with your family. Why? Because, because you need to protect who you are and what other people think of you. It's why comparison is so deadly because, because it feeds the insecurities in us. Because we see an image, we see success, we see those things and then immediately we say, well, I see what that other person has done and it calls into question who we are. And so we all have to come up with an answer to that question. Who are you? And so sometimes we lie in order to come to an answer to that question. Or other times we believe a lie in order to come to the conclusion. We, we lie about our career or we believe the lie about what our career says about us. We lie about our relationships or we believe the lie about what those relationships say about us. Even, even in, in our Christian faith, we, we lie about our goodness or we believe the lie about what our behavior det- says about where we stand with God. All in order to answer that question, who are you? And so we find ourselves looking around at everyone else, looking back at ourselves and saying, no, I'm nothing more. I'm nothing more than what I do. I'm nothing more than these relationships. I'm nothing more than this brokenness that is all around me and that is inside of me. So we find ourselves grasping for something. 
In the book of Genesis, there's this incredible story of two brothers, Jacob and Esau. If you could open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 27, I want to spend some time unpacking this story and specifically some of the struggles of Jacob. And so some context to this story, Jacob and Esau are brothers. Esau is born first, which means he has some of the, he, he has some of the things that firstborn in that culture would deserve. They, they get a birthright. They get a blessing. And so Jacob wants what belongs to his brother. Now, Rebecca, Jacob's mom, also is kind of on team Jacob. Right? And so in this scenario, Rebecca hears here's Esau talking to his dad about a potential blessing. And so, so, so Rebecca overhears, and, and Esau is talking to his dad. His dad says, all right, I need you to go out, get some game, and then come back. And when you come back, feed it to me, and then I will give you your blessing. And so Rebecca then goes to Jacob. Jacob, here's what I heard. All right, here, here's, here's what you need to do. If you want the blessing, here's, here's how this has to go down. Go hunt, get, get some game, bring it back to your dad. And your dad, because he can't see very well, he will give you the blessing. And so bring it back, and then you're, you're, you will get the blessing that should go to your brother. Now, Jacob is smart, right? He knows, right, him and his brother are different. And, and, and although his dad can't see very well, he's going to know. He's going to feel his arm and know that his brother's hairy and he's not. And so they come up with this plan, right, to, to have a costume of sorts, to put some goat skin on his arms so that his, his dad would never catch on. And so in Genesis chapter 27, I'll pick it up in verse 18, when, he, when Jacob comes to his father, it says, Jacob went to his father and said, my father, yes, my son, he answered, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord, your God, gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau? He asked. I am, he replied. See, Jacob wants something that isn't his and he couldn't get by being Jacob. J Jacob understands that there is something that he wants, but in order to get that thing, he has to be somebody else. And so he lies. See, this for Jacob is a heart issue. But even deeper than that, it's an identity issue. Because Jacob doesn't think that Jacob's good enough. Jacob doesn't think that what Jacob will get from his relationship with his dad is what he needs. Jacob doesn't think he can be honest about, the, about who he really is. He can't tell the truth. Because what if his dad knew? He wouldn't get the blessing. What if his dad found out that he was deceptive? What if his dad wouldn't give him what he was really after? What if his brother got to keep the blessing? And so Jacob lies. Because in that moment, it's easier to be Esau than it is to actually be who God made him to be. See, when we are insecure, we lie in order to pretend we know who we are. Right? It's in those moments that for us, it's easier to be somebody else than to actually be who God made you to be. Because sometimes being somebody else gets you what you want. And so we create this facade, we create this identity, this persona that will, that will make us feel better, that will make us get the thing. 
And so maybe we create an identity that justifies the things that we regret. Right? We make excuses for what we're guilty of. Because we know what we've done. We know who we are. We know the relationships that we broke. And so we create this identity that explains it all away, that justifies it. Or we create this identity that keeps certain things about our life hidden. Because we know what we did. We know the shame. And so we hide the things we're ashamed of. We create this identity that, that covers over it with goat skin so that nobody really knows the real us. Or we create this identity that runs as far away from possible. Like that gets away from who we are because if we can be somebody else who's way far away, we don't have to deal with the consequences. Because again, we always run away from the things that we're afraid of. And so we create this identity to get away from it all. Jacob, in this moment, does just that. He hides under the hair of an animal to pretend to be somebody else. Because if only he was Esau. If only he had the blessing. If only he could be somebody else. For him, it was easier to improve his false identity than deal with the reality of who God made him. So who are you? What is it in your life that you feel like you, you've had to make excuses for? Right? What are the lies you've had to tell to excuse the things that you've said, the things that you've done? What is that thing in your life that you feel like you need to keep hidden? That, you will, that maybe you won't lie about it, but you'll keep it covered. What is the thing that you're afraid of that you run as far away from as possible? Martin Luther, one of the great reformers, in a commentary that he wrote on the book of Romans, actually unpacks some ideas specifically about the freedom we have in Christ. And he says this. He said, Christ wants our whole disposition to be so stripped down that we are unafraid of being embarrassed for our faults. Can you imagine that kind of freedom? Like, What if we were so free that we were unembarrassed of people knowing our scars? What if we were so free that we, that we weren't worried about if people found out who we really are? What if we didn't have to make excuses? What if we weren't afraid because we knew that we were loved and accepted because of the sacrifice of Jesus? Like, wouldn't that change the relationships we have? Like, imagine your marriage if you were unafraid of admitting your failures. Imagine the freedom that would come when you could say, I, I, I've made a mess. That honesty would lead to forgiveness and reconciliation. Imagine what your kids would see if they saw you as a parent not having, having to have it all together, but seeing you desperately in need of Jesus. Imagine the kind of friendships we would have with instead of acting like we had it all together, acting like we knew what to do, if we looked one another in the eyes and just said, me too. But there's something about those words that bonds us together when the thing that I'm ashamed of is the same thing that you're ashamed of. But imagine what would happen. Later in the book of Genesis, just a few chapters later in Genesis chapter 32, Jacob, the same line, the same insecure Jacob, has a moment where he wrestles with God. God shows up in the flesh. 
And so as they go back and forth, back and forth, there's an interesting dialogue that takes place between Jacob and God. And so I want to read just a few verses from that beginning in verse 26. It says, Then the man, this speaking of God in the flesh, then the man said, Let me go, for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Which just shows us that Jacob's still Jacob, right? He's still after the blessing. He still wants to make sure he gets the blessing. And so he's wrestling with God. God says, let me go. Jacob says, no, not until you bless me. But, and then here's, here's the kicker in this. Verse 27, the man asked him, what is your name? In that moment... Because Jacob having flashbacks to sitting in front of his father and his father asking him, what's your name? But is it bringing up memories of that moment where he has goat skin on his arm and he said, I, I can't say Jacob, I can't say Jacob, I can't say Jacob. And now in this moment, he's wrestling with God in order to get a blessing and God asked the question that he, that he was so afraid of before. He says, what's your name? This time though, The text tells us, Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob but Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. See, Jacob in that moment thinks he's wrestling for a blessing, but I think he gets something even greater. An identity. Right, Jacob thinks he's after the thing. Right, Jacob has something in his mind that he needs to get from God. But in that moment, in the back and forth, back and forth, what he gets from God is an identity. Because in the moment when he's finally honest about who he is, then God jumps in and says, now let me tell you how I see you. See, maybe some of you have had the, the, these seasons, these moments where you feel like you're wrestling with God. Because there's that prayer you're, you're praying that thing that you're asking for, that way that you want God to work and to show up. And maybe for you in this season of wrestling, what God is doing in you, most importantly is maybe he's helping you answer the question, who are you? That maybe it's not about the thing, it's about who you are. See, in this moment when Jacob is finally honest, He is given a new name, a new identity. God does his best work when we're honest about who we are. When we're honest about the things we've made excuses for. When we're honest about the things we've been trying to cover up. When we're honest about what we're afraid of. It's in those places that God shows up to say, all right, now that you've been honest about who you are, let me show you how I see you. Let me give you a new name and a new identity. As you struggle with God, God strips away the false identities. He strips away the insecurities and says, I see something that you can't even see in yourself. And so in that moment, in that gut-wrenching, honest moment when you finally say, I'm a mess. When you finally say, I'm a sinner. When you finally say, I'm an addict. When you finally say, I've broken it all. That's when God does his best work. Because when you're finally honest about the problem, God is at work fixing the problem. The moment of confession is the place where God speaks his words of forgiveness. And God says those things, those things that were your answer to that question, who are you? I have something different for you. 
right? And those lies that you told to give yourself an, a, a new identity, let me tell you something different and better. Those lies that you believed, let me tell you something better. Jesus responds to lies with truth. He responds to the lies that you've said and tells you this is who you really are. He responds to the lies that you believed when you kept repeating, this is all I've ever been. And he says, no, that is a lie. Let me tell you the truth about who you are. And he wrestles you to the point of honesty so he can finally show you what you need to hear. When lies try to take what wasn't meant for you, the truth of Jesus gives you what you couldn't get for you. When your lies are trying to grasp something else, Jesus responds with the truth to give you something you couldn't earn for yourself. Jesus secures your identity with his blood. He heals your brokenness with his own. He makes payment to ensure that no matter what you feel, no matter what you've done, that you are his. In that same episode of This Is Us, Jack has this perfect response to their, that, that dialogue. Now, Jack always responds perfectly, and this is no exception. But Jack responds with this line to Randall and says, The moment I saw you, I knew you were my boy. But the moment I saw you in that hospital, I knew you were my boy. Behavior didn't make him his boy. His race didn't make him his boy. His intelligence didn't make him his boy. He just knew. The scriptures echo the same thing. In, Psalm, in the book of Psalms, it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. When you were in your mother's womb, God saw you, and he knew that you were his boy. Or despite the things that you would eventually one day struggle with, the things that you would one day do, God looked at you and he knew you were his boy. Despite your struggles of your, of your self-worth and your identity and your image, God saw you in your mother's womb and said, I knew you would be my girl. God always knew you would be his. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1, God, it says God decided in advance in other words, before you made the mess, before you screwed up, before you said what you said, before you experienced the brokenness that you experienced, God decided in advance to adopt you into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. The moment God saw you, he knew you were his. No behavior, no struggle, no sin could change that. And no lies that you could tell could jeopardize that and know the lies that you believed would make it untrue. And so God wrestled with you to show you who you are and to remind you that he would do anything for you because you were always his. As we close, I want to close with a time of prayer and as we pray, what I also want to do is I want to take some moments to pause, and I'm going to ask a series of questions to help us at, in our time of confession to specifically think about what are some of the lies that we tell. 
and the lies that we believe about who we are. And so we'll, I'll pray, I'll ask some questions, and then give you moments to respond in your own personal and quiet confession, and then we will prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Jesus, we thank you for being a God who gives everything for us, who sees us, and because you see us, you, you knew, you always knew we were yours. And so in the midst of the lies that we tell and the lies that we believe about who we are, you promise to tell us something different. And God, in the midst of that, I just pray that you help us to be honest. As we wrestle with you, that you break us down to the point of honesty. And so in desperation, we can tell you, God, here are the lies I've told. Here are the things I've done. God, forgive us. Have mercy on us. Show us who you believe that we are. As you make your confession, is there a lie you've been telling to make excuses for something you've done? An identity that you've created that excuses the brokenness. Are there lies you've been telling because you've wanted to keep certain things hidden? Because of what those things say about you? Are there lies you've been telling because you've been afraid of the consequences and you've been trying to run as far away as possible? Are there lies you've been believing about what those things say about you and who you are. The promise of Jesus is that he says that you are his, that you are his no matter what you've said, no matter what lies you've told. And the promise that he says to each and every one of us today is that your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.